0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Talking Indonesia podcast. My name is Ken Stiawan from Melbourne University's Asia Institute, and today the podcast will focus on Indonesian cinema. Indonesian films are becoming a firm fixture at film festivals across the world. How is Indonesian cinema developed? What challenges does Indonesian cinema face? And what is the role of censorship in post-authoritarian Indonesia? Here to talk about these topics is Dr. Gaston Suhadi, who has a PhD in film studies from Monash University. Gaston, welcome to Talking Indonesia. Thank you. Gaston, could you perhaps start um, with telling us what kind of films have become popular in Indonesia? What are, what are some of the themes that they address?
1: So in uh, in the popular or in the commercial theaters, we have... Uh, Popular topics on uh, love story, uh, romance, and then also we also have films that uh, deals with religious or religion aspects. And currently in the last uh, one, two or three years, we also have uh, a new kind of genre that is called uh, biography, bioepic. It, it talks about uh, a prominent figure in Indonesia, like our first president Sukarno. That is the in the commercial side and the popular topics in so in uh, independent filmmakers among independent filmmakers, they are trying to uh, explore uh, a woman issue, for example. One of those kind of films, which is called Nai, directed by General Maesa Ayu. So that film deals with a uh, woman issue in Indonesia. Uh, other kinds, other themes that was uh, often explored by independent films uh, is about the corruption as well. And we also have a documentary filmmaker that is trying to uh, explore uh, the 1965 uh, case. And also uh, a film that deals with the issue of LGBT so we have uh, two kinds of filmmakers, independent and those who make films that will be distributed into the commercial uh, theatres in Indonesia.
0: So with this wide variety of topics, and then um, on one hand the independent filmmakers and on the other the commercial filmmakers, does that mean that there is some kind of division in Indonesian filmmaking?
1: In fact, this division is not that strict. Uh, filmmaking should not be divided into these two kinds of, uh, of division, so it's, it's more uh, a result or an impact of the, of the system.
0: Before we move to a discussion of the challenges um, faced by Indonesian filmmakers, could you first perhaps say something about the development of Indonesian cinema and how perhaps from that perspective we can understand the emergence of both commercial and independent films?
1: We have a long history of Indonesian cinema, but... Uh, to make this, the long story short, I can divide Indonesian cinema history uh, more or less in four uh, periods. Uh, first of all, we have a pre-independence period in 1926. We have uh, our first uh, film was made in Bandung, uh, West Java. Uh, the title was uh, "Lutung Kasarung" that was made by two uh, expatriates, uh, Hueldorf and Kruger, and then also after that, in 1935, where we, uh, the Dutch, yeah, uh, made another film in Indonesia, but uh, that was called uh, pare Paré. is uh, a sundanese uh, term that was uh, if it translated in, in 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 english then that means rice so that was uh, a film about uh, a life in a small village in west java so it's uh, it's a love story in fact about uh, farmers and fishermen and the love story there is a love story inside the story Then uh, that was one of the important moments because uh, Pare was a kind of anthropological film, although it was fiction, but it's an attempt by the uh, Westerner, in this case, it's the Dutch, to give a description, yeah, cultural description. But the result of that film was flop. Uh, That's why the the, the maker of that film, uh, Albert Baling and Manus Franken, they made uh, another film which is quite popular and commercial in 1937, which is called Terang Bulan, or if in English we call it The Full Moon. Uh, this is the film uh, where the story was, was a blend between uh, Hollywood kind of Hollywood kind of films and some aspect of traditional uh, culture in Indonesia. So, so uh, this, the director was trying to blend these two cultures. And the result was a huge success. And people or historian of Indonesian cinema always discuss these two people, Pare and um, Bulan, as uh, two kinds of films that, Uh, represent uh, those who are quite idealistic in filmmaking. They who did not uh, try to uh, think about the commercial aspect of the cinema and those who uh, try to actually bring some commercial aspect in the cinema. We have, after that, we have the rise of Indonesian cinema because Terang or the full moon, really gives an impact, deep impact, uh, that attract people to get into business film, oh, sorry, the, the film business.
0: So we actually see in the late colonial period um, already some kind of a, a development of, on one hand, commercial films, and on on, on the other hand, films that... I suppose could be more regarded as a documentary film, or trying to convey something about um, a culture. Um, what was the impact um, of um, these films on Indonesian filmmaking?
1: After after the full moon, uh, then the film industry in Indonesia uh, before the independence began to grow. So uh, there is a lot of people. Ordinary people are trying to uh, get into the film business. They're trying to uh, try their skills in acting, in directing. So there is a huge people who try uh, to move from uh, traditional theatre into the film industry.
0: So the colonial period was really very important um, for the development of Indonesian cinema. How did that manifest itself in the post independence period under Sukarno?
1: So this is uh, the time or the period where we have another important film made by a nationalist, a former soldier, who is called uh, Usmar Ismail. He made uh, a film which is called Darah dan Doa, or in in English we call it uh, The Long March. This is a film that... uh, was tried to depict uh, the Indonesian army who uh, did a long march from uh, west java to east java and uh, there was a, a, a drama in that uh, story that's quite uh, famous the the introduction of the genre also began further further began in this period after uh, the de- uh, the development of the first this kind of uh, genre for the first time before the independence, it was continue. so here uh, the the melodrama, especially the melodrama, uh, the genre of drama, and then uh, um, the romantic, the love story uh, uh, was uh, began to be uh, in the rise of uh, in the history of Indonesian cinema, and also uh, we have. Indonesian Film Festival for the first time in 1955.
0: So the the period immediately after independence was a very lively um, uh, development of of. Um, genres, as well as uh, the emergence of film festivals. Now, the period that follows after um, and I refer particularly to um, the New Order is often uh, associated with um, a repression of uh, creative expression. Was that also the case for Indonesian film?
1: One uh, film critic named uh, Salim Said called it the Golden Period for for reasons that uh, in this period we have Uh, the highest number of film produced in Indonesia, 124, that was in 1977. On the other side, this is the second, actually, the second period uh, after the old order in which uh, politics also have a heavy influence in Indonesia, Indonesian film industry. So, uh, during this period, um, the role of the government is quite strong, and then uh, there is uh, some some restriction in terms of what kind of themes that our filmmakers could make. And if they trying to to do the theme, the the sensitive themes, then you know uh, the uh, the censorship body will will cut the films or will ban the film. So this. Uh, two period the post-independence and the new order periods are or were the, the times when politics has a heavy influence on the, on, the, on the development of Indonesian cinema.
0: Can you maybe give a few examples of what kind of films were allowed um, to be made in the new order period?
1: So uh, the filmmakers can only make uh, films that has uh, a more safe uh, themes. Like love story, romance, uh, so themes that are not trying to uh, be critical to the government. They have a censorship body that will really observe uh, the Indonesian uh, film. If the filmmakers wants to make film, they have to give the script yeah, to the Minister of Information, and this minister of Information will be make sure, that the script contains uh, no sensitive topics like politics or uh, corruption and so on
0: you've earlier mentioned that there's now independent and commercial filmmakers in Indonesia um you spoke about the themes that these independent filmmakers address so does this mean that there's more creative freedom for filmmakers in Indonesia
1: generally those who stand in independent uh, side will have a relative, a relative freedom to uh, explore uh, themes that were sensitive, and perhaps were forbidden during the uh, the new order uh, 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 period. We still have a censorship body in, in Indonesia, but uh, the filmmaker now are allowed uh, to to make films without. Uh, Uh, sending their script to the the government before they they make their films so that's already uh, uh, doesn't happen in Indonesia but we still have uh, censorship in Indonesia and that is one of um, the filmmakers in Indonesia thinks that the censorship is is one of the barriers in Indonesia for their creativity in fact if I have to compare Today, film censorship with uh, censorship in the new order and that is not significant difference. They are doing the same function and they will ban uh, films that have uh, sensitive uh, topics.
0: How have Indonesian filmmakers responded to this situation where on one hand there is more room for creative expression but where on the other censorship remains very
1: real? What happened was that uh, the filmmakers, especially the the indie film filmmakers, they 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 don't even try to apply for uh, for public release for their film because they are worried. Uh, for example, the film that will be screened in in IFF Indonesian Film Festival in Melbourne that was called The Sun, The Moon, and the Hurricane. That film was made by uh, Andrew Chung. That was it. Was about uh, uh, a story about LGBT. So he is worried that this film will be banned if they applying if he apply for a commercial release in Indonesia. So there's a kind of uh, self censorship in uh, among Indonesian filmmakers because they know that. Uh, and I agree with uh, what they think that. Uh, uh, Indonesia or the government still doesn't give uh, uh, more freedom to filmmakers in Indonesia.
0: As censorship uh, represents such a challenge for Indonesian filmmakers, could you reflect more on that and could you also talk about other challenges that filmmakers are dealing with?
1: As for censorship, I personally think that what we need is not censorship, but motion picture rating system. In censorship, uh, they tend to cut the films. They can't to cut the scenes in the films, which is mean that they will destroy the films and they kill the creativity of the filmmakers. But I guess uh, what the, uh, the, the, the the best alternative or the best choice is to have motion picture rating system, which only to classify the suitability of the film for the audience. So censorship is the first uh, one of the negative aspect that will hinder the development of Indonesian filmmakers. The second thing is distribution. So one of the uh, negative aspects in our uh, film industry today is the monopolistic systems that is not become an advantage for Indonesian filmmakers because you know, uh, our film will have to compete with Hollywood films. Everyone knows that people uh, prefer to, to see Hollywood films rather than Indonesian films. So there has to be a regulation for from the government with the case of distribution and exhibition uh, provide a space for Indonesian films to be screened for some periods of time in cinema. But what happened today is that... Uh, Indonesian films often only have uh, days or a week to be on the cinema and then will be replaced by uh, foreign films or Hollywood films. And the ones who control that kind of regulation is the the theater owner, not the government. So they they, uh, select... What kind of films that they want to choose, and they decide how long these films can be on the can be screened on the, their cinema. And what happened was that these uh, this theater this uh, cinema have or has uh, many branches uh, across Indonesia. and of course they they and they apply the same regulations is not, as I said, advan- advantage for, uh, for Indonesian films. So I think these two uh, aspects, or three aspects, uh, uh, censorship, distribution, and exhibition, are those uh, aspects that needs to be uh, evaluated, regulated, and uh, fairly uh, executed.
0: With cinema owners having also such a big influence on what is actually being screened and for how long, that also, of course, has an influence on content. So what is a way in which that could be changed? Are there any developments towards that?
1: So filmmakers like Jogo Anwar, uh, Re Reza, Mira Lesmana, Nia Dinata, they're trying to suggest to the government to invite more uh, the invite overseas investor yeah, to build and open cinemas in Indonesia So what these
0: filmmakers are arguing is that by having more overseas investors um, in the Indonesian film market, in cinema, you have uh, more diversity, um, and that will obviously also um, mean that there might be more space for um, uh, independent filmmakers. Um, That, of course, requires um, the promotion of Indonesian film abroad. Um, Could you reflect a little on that? What's the role, for instance, of Indonesian film festivals as we have seen in Melbourne?
1: we have to develop uh, Indonesian Film Festival in overseas, like what we have in Australia, Indonesian Film Festival. And there is another one in the US, in Los Angeles, that is also called Indonesian Film Festival, because we we need to expand our markets overseas. And by having uh, Indonesian films being screened overseas, and so there will be more people who will know or recognize uh, uh, Indonesian culture and Indonesian film industry. So I hope that Indonesian Film Festival in Melbourne will be able to, to act as a, as a place for cultural diplomacy or a window for, for Australian in this case, to be able to look at Indonesian contemporary, Indonesian society and culture and at this moment the government doesn't have that kind of serious intention to 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 support Indonesian film festival overseas
0: now you mentioned that there is a lack of support from the Indonesian government for these film festivals But in general, um, government support for the Indonesian film industry, whether it's commercial or independent, let alone independent, is is minimal um, or even non-existent. However, in January of this year, um, the so-called Pusbang Film, or the Center for Development of Film, was established by the government. Now, I was wondering... What is the government actually trying to achieve with this center, um, and and what kind of potential benefits uh, can you perhaps identify?
1: So the government is trying to uh, to make a first of all the government trying to make a database of uh, the films that has been made in Indonesia, and another thing that I think would be uh, good if they can do it is is that the government provide. Uh, Money to support or fund to support uh, the filmmakers to produce what what they call art films. Okay, this is a, a promising plan if uh, they they can do it. So uh, and another thing is that uh, there will be kind of uh, research that was developed by the government to. Uh, to plan how to make the Indonesian film industry better and developed than before. But uh, what I'm interested in is to see uh, that the government is is willing to give fund for filmmakers to make uh, a good film in the sense that the the film is is well developed, well well crafted, uh, so, sort of uh, art films, so to speak. So I would really like to to see this kind of plan happen in in the next one year or two years.
0: Do you think that that might um, be of benefit for independent filmmakers?
1: Yes, I think so because uh, so far, our independent films are actually self-funded or Uh, they have to find funds from overseas if they want to make their films. So if the government uh, has given a promise that they will give funds for filmmakers to make uh, the films that they really want to make, so this is a chance, opportunity for independent filmmakers uh, to be able to make the films. Of course, I also hope that the government... uh, is also willing to uh, to accept uh, a different kind of themes. And also, I hope that by having uh, this uh, opportunity or moment, then society will also be educated to be able to receive or to be able to watch uh, films with a slight slightly different kind of themes than what they usually watch in commercial cinema so far.
0: So the initiative of the government to establish this centre, um, that's actually potentially quite um, important. However, you've also outlined the many challenges that remain for Indonesian filmmaking. You discussed censorship and exhibition and distribution. Taking that together, what are the prospects for Indonesian film?
1: Unless... uh those aspects being uh, evaluated uh, reform and well regulated, then we we will not have a, a good prospect for our filmmaking in Indonesia if censorship is not uh, evaluated how they, they work, then uh, it will be hindered the development of Indonesian filmmakers. So if the government at least give more kind of freedom, explanations, or change the way film censorship function. So I think uh, we will have uh, more, uh, better filmmaking in Indonesia. What Indonesian film can achieve today, either from uh, independent or commercial, are the result of their own work.
0: There seems to be much more that uh, we can talk about, but we're running out of time. So Gaston, thank you very much for joining us on Talking Indonesia.
1: Yes thank, yes, thank you.
0: That was Dr. Gaston Suhadi on Indonesian cinema. The next Talking Indonesia podcast, hosted by my colleague Dave McRae, will be available on the 5th of May. And as a reminder, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast series at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. Many thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast.